Hello and welcome to episode 678 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, April 25th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, how's it going? It is going pretty well. I've got two pretty awesome things that uh, happened today. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So first, uh, today is my 14th sobriety birthday so i've been holy shit dude 14 years as of today wow Uh, so we have have a mutual friend who's on the journey obviously i'm not Mm -hmm. gonna say his name or anything like that but uh watching him go through the early stages been really proud of what he's been able to do me as well and and see you at at 14 years that's that's amazing dude it's, that's it's amazing. a lot more difficult to do it early on than it is like now sure. it's just like you know it's day-to-day maintenance make sure i don't do anything super stupid uh but uh it's way more impressive when when people are, are early on but uh a lot of people ask me why i, I talk about it like publicly uh it's one because uh you know every once in a while someone reaches out to me and asks for help and uh, hopefully, if I can help one person by being honest uh, about it, uh, then uh, uh, you know, uh, hopefully that that does something good. So it's obviously, um, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but there's a lot of like stigmas to it. So letting people know they're not alone. You know, it is hard, but you can absolutely battle through it. Like that's important. So I love that you're you're so honest and open about it. And of course, it's part of your your life's work too, with what you do in your full time job. So. Congratulations, man. That's incredible. 14 years. Thank you. Uh, so two bits of news. What's the other? Well, the other's not a bit of news. It's just something awesome happening today. It's the NFL draft today, baby. Let's go. I can watch my Redskins ruin some other per, uh, some other kid's uh, career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, pretty much, I, I don't know the exact year cut off, but when I, when I became like, just baseball became my life, um, some things kind of went to the side, you know. I still enjoy April for what it brings, though, with with NBA and NHL playoffs, especially hockey. Like, I don't follow hockey at all, really, especially with the wings kind of on a downturn. But there's still nothing like watching playoff hockey. Oh, playoff hockey! Hockey is the best sport. To it's, watch. So I dude. Love, it's so underrated. I wish underrated. the NHL was better. We talking about Major League Baseball sucking it, but promoting its own sport. Yeah, uh, NHL is by far way worse at promoting its own sport and it is so fun to watch it's so fun i was watching that sharks uh vegas knights game the other day the seven the the game seven vegas up 3-0 into the third period and they lost absolutely bananas but yeah you got then you got hockey playoffs or basketball playoffs nfl draft and i still of course keep a close eye on my on my lines and everything before i became so baseball centric i would dial in watch the draft you know know all the players these days, I will still have the regular season games on, and then probably the draft on my phone because uh, you know it's just I'm not as crazy about it, but I am still intrigued. And the Lions usually have a high pick, so it's, <laughs> it's going to be somebody that I know because I do watch some college football. So they're picking eight. So yeah, it'll be it'll be ex- exciting to see what happens there. I know uh, there's a lot of debate, or or is there not any debate? Is it going to be Kyler Murray to the Cardinals? I think that is pretty much unless there was some rumors that the Redskins owner Dan Snyder uh has taken quote unquote control of the draft no. or, and uh there's talk that uh he may make a Ricky Williams type trade uh oh. for, for those who aren't football fans at all 
uh, many, many years ago when Mike Ditka came, went back to coaching and took over the Saints. He traded every single one of his draft picks plus future draft picks for one pick and took Ricky Williams. And it's, it's largely considered one of the dumbest trades of all time. Uh, no fault of Ricky's, by the way, who, who was pr- pretty good, particularly when he played and obviously had his own yeah. things to battle. But you never, ever do yeah. that for a running back specifically. Yeah, and so, uh, I mean, I'm a football analyst too. Uh, I'm not super sold on Kyler Murray as an elite quarterback. Sure. Uh, I think he's going to be very good, but I think this is a weak quarterback class in general. So, uh, and And this would be the Redskins thing to do. So. Yes, it absolutely would would fit there. So, yeah, we'll see how that goes with the first round. So they break it up there to the first round tonight, two more rounds tomorrow, and then the rest on the weekend. Is that how it goes? Yes. Okay, okay. So I know we have a lot of football listeners, So and we, I know some are non-football yeah, so and they're cringing right like, now. Oh, my God, will it's, you guys please shut it's up? It's a couple minutes. Don't it's worry. We have more injuries to talk about soon. Yeah, don't worry. We can talk. But we do have another good bit of news. It oh. doesn't happen to today, but tomorrow it is finally happening. Oh, yeah, it is. The arrival of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Oh, I'm really excited about this, man. I feel like I might be missing one. Uh, so correct me if I'm wrong, but this one seems to be as heralded as Strasburg was back in 12. I honestly think, can't remember a more heralded or 10, excuse me, for, uh, uh, premiere. It just, this seems so uh, <laughs> like th- this feels like maybe like I don't watch Game of Thrones. I don't know if you do. I do not. But, I mean, everybody seems to be really enjoying Game of Thrones right now, but it's mm-hmm. been, like, a two-year buildup. And, like, you can only be disappointed, right? Or, like, right, with exactly. the, the Endgame movie, the uh, Avengers Endgame movie that, comes, that out, uh, comes out tonight. Like, there's so much buildup. Like, you can only be just disappointed by the eventual outcome, right? So or, unless he hits 400, yeah. it seems like what could he possibly do to to meet the hype for Vlad Jr.? Un- unless he homers on his first at bat and floats around the bases. <laughs> like, I just don't know how he could live up to expectations. That being said, I can't wait to see him. I was actually pretty disappointed that he didn't premiere against my Giants. I yep. mean, from, nice. from like a, a win-loss perspective, I'm glad he, he didn't because we, we won. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I would have loved to be able to kind of watch that during the day yesterday. Uh, so that being said, I can't wait. I My online championship team can't wait. Uh, and I think that this is going to be really, really fun for baseball and really great for baseball. And uh, I'm glad they finally have come to this decision that he deserves to be in the majors. Yes, absolutely. Because um, he worked on that defense. Yes, the defense. Um, well, and like I think everybody was expecting him to uh, premiere on Tuesday, uh, but yeah, there was an initial rumor floating around during the weekend, and then that got kind of peeled back, and so it was like, well, what? My what guy, is it? What's happening? My guy Andrew Dewhurst over Friends of Fantasy Benefits called it uh, that it wouldn't happen until Friday, about uh, a week and a half ago. Uh, because and Andrew is a fantastic ba- baseball analyst, but he's uh, also a fantastic hockey analyst. And because the the Maple Leafs were in the playoffs and the Raptors were playing that night too, yes, they didn't want 
uh, any competition. So that's why they waited till Friday. I saw I saw a tweet on that highlighting that exact thing about how the Leafs and and Raptors were going and what it might do to a, a Vlad Jr. call up. So they wanted to clear the stage. Um, I think the Leafs are actually done. I think the Bruins knocked them out for, for the entire uh, for the entire rest of the playoffs. So they won't have to deal with that the rest of the way. But um, he's going to be up Friday. Can't wait. I'm you know I'm just really excited. I don't know you know. We expect performance right off the top, but let's get into some actual numbers here. What do you have for a realistic expectation of what Vladimir Guerrero Jr. can do from from tomorrow throughout the rest of the year as as a as a player here? Well, I think there is a reasonable expectation that he can solve world hunger. Ah, well, if he that's like the start of it though. That's like if if he flops, that's all he does yeah. is solve world hunger. I mean, I think he is going to hit for average. I would be super surprised if he doesn't hit at least 280. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we have him projected on the site to hit like 300 plus. 306, 306, and 296. Uh, steamer, depth charts, and the bat. Oh, the bat. Super down on him with that 296 so batting down. average. Freaking Cardi, dude. Uh, I'm a little surprised that his power numbers aren't higher in terms of projection. I think he'll hit 20 home runs. Well, keep in mind, that's only in 97 games. So if you extrapolate that out, being that we're getting five-plus months, I think all of those uh, would go up above 20 at that point because they got him for a healthy, well, 210 from Steamer, ISO, and 194 from from the bat. I think that that's going to be 20-plus homers there. So I'm going to say uh, 290 average, 25 home runs, Two stolen bases, seventy-five RBI. Golly, that is that is nice. That is nice to just put into your into your line. Now, if he does that, sixty-nine runs scored. Oh, that'd be fantastic. That'd be really, really, really nice. If that is what he does, if that is what we get from Vlad Jr., something right around that projection, is that more than worth keeping for three weeks? I think so. Uh, because, because you've got replacement value too, so yeah, whatever, I mean, whatever you've I got. Assume if you were using him, you had him, or you you were you know getting some sort of production uh, from uh, well, from him. So and the depth of third base means you could have gotten a wide range. Now, not everyone got you know just some some stud, but what if you were one of the lucky ones? Not that he's been amazing, but he has clubbed five homers. What if you just plugged in Ryan Healy? Got five homers, 16 ribbies, uh, uh, or 17 ribbies, 16 runs. He actually probably didn't get all that because he wouldn't have gotten the Japan series because I think he did a little something in Japan. Michael Franco, you could have easily gotten him way late. as like, he's my stopgap. And that would have really paid off. Of course, some people probably got, you know, Travis Shaw thinking like, I'll put Travis Shaw in at third and then move him here once Vlad comes in. And That's exactly what I have in 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 uh, the online championship where I have Vlad as Travis Shaw. So been really like, bad. Or Raphael Devers. Who's but he been hit two bombs yesterday. So who did? Didn't Travis Shaw hit two bombs yesterday? Yes, yes, yes. So, yes. I thought you meant Devers. I was like, he does not have. Any. No, he has no bombs. Zero bombs. Bombless. Yes. Uh, as Drupal Cabrera, six homers, seventeen ribbies, fourteen runs. Definitely could have gotten him in there. Uh, to be your Vlad Jr. tied over because I then you can move around this, so many spots. I, I think 
and, and I talked about this early on in draft season that I'd be willing to take him in a 10 or 12 team mixed league because the replacement value is there and you could actually get like almost this nice, really nice head start and then add Vlad to it. Uh, in yes. worst case scenario, you kind of just put it along with, you know, a, a mediocre uh, player, uh, maybe like Devers or someone like that, that, you know, didn't really produce much, but at least was getting something in there in terms of runs and RBIs. Uh, but you could set yourself up like really, really well. Uh, and I think that to me is the strategy when it comes to some of these, uh, these stash players is in my 15 team mixed leagues and deeper, I'm probably not going to own a lot of shares of, uh, of minor leaguers that are going to come up later. Uh, but in your shallower formats where that replacement value is good, uh, that's where I'm going to have these guys. Oh, for sure. And so, yeah, those who held a junior, even if it didn't quite work out, I mean, you're, you're getting him now. So um, he's, he can be a savior for the offense a bit. And, man, he looks like – I agree, though, that it, it almost looks like he can't really flop. I mean, I just, I just don't know. Hey, when you uh, look at – Obviously, he can because we saw Trout flop in his first go around. Sure. Uh, but did he do – did Trout do this? I I mean, I, I can't remember if I he had good he minor did. league numbers, but it wasn't. Holy yeah, crap. it wasn't out of this world minor league numbers. So I, I think this is going to be really, really special for uh, for him. And uh, at least I hope it is. I, he just seems like such a so good too. kid. I loved his dad uh, when his yes. dad played. His dad is one of my favorite players of all time. Same. And it feels really weird and that and like I'm really old. The fact that I, <laughs> because I drafted, yeah, drafted Vlad Senior and Vlad Junior in my lifetime already. Well, and um, the, those of us dorks who love MLB the show, which you guys know I do, can't wait to get Vlad in. Now he probably won't be until next week because once you you have to play first, and roster updates are on Fridays, so he's not going to be until then. Hopefully, he is in next week because sometimes guys can be playing like Chris Paddock isn't in the game yet. And it has nothing what? to do with the game maker. It Once you're in the league, you have to get approved by the MLBPA. I don't know if the player has to sign something or if his agency handles it. We've had issues in the past. I remember when Edwin Diaz broke out a few years ago late. He took forever to get in. And we were like, where the hell is Edwin Diaz? And so I started learning more about this. And so, yeah, like the game would love to put Vlad in from Jump Street, obviously, but they can't. They have rules and regulations that they have to follow. So it's going to be uh, incumbent upon Vlad Jr. and the Players Union to get him uh, approved and ready to go. And then he'll be in MLB The Show. And uh, so they'll bring out his live series card and they'll probably do what they call Future Star Series, which they make up. Uh, they already have Eloy and Tatis kind of like projecting what they could be in the future so they can create like a really sexy diamond version of them because their card right now will be kind of like solid but not amazing. But now, I know you can use historical players too, right? So there's a chance so you I was could build just a about team to get to that. with you Vlad and Vlad. Both. Yes, they have Vlad Sr.'s rights. Now, they have to get rights for retired players, but they do in fact have Vlad Sr.'s rights, and I cannot wait to get both of them and get them on the field, that's going to be sick. And they could you, you have you, Vlad, Vlad, and Tatis and Tatis. Like could they you don't have, have Tatis Senior. Oh, that same. would be pretty nice. But you can get Vlad, Vlad, and Griffey, Griffey. Mm. So you can do a little something like that. Um, I'm trying to think. Only if there's any yeah, comp- only draft family members. Like, yeah, in order I'll, to be on the team, you have to 
uh, have uh, a family member that played in Major League Baseball. Because then you, you could get draft a lot like, of catchers, a lot of Molinas. Yes, you could draft a Ripken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else. Well, they have they have senior Biggio, mm-hmm. and of course, if Cavan comes up, they can create a little future star card for him as well. well kind of give. Unfortunately, Bichette broke his hand, so he's not yeah, coming up anytime that sucks, soon. because they do have Papa Bichette, who rakes. By the way, he can't play defense to save his life. He will like let one hit hit him in the face when you think he's going to catch a routine <laughs> fly, but he'll make up for it next inning and hit one like 550. He's he's insane. But anyway, yeah. So those of us who play MLB the show, the Diamond Dynasty version, are really really excited about what Vlad Jr. is going to bring to the table, and so excitement all around for Vlad Jr. Now let's be negative and get into to the crap because we just can't have nice things and the MLB iteration of Justin's main main event squad the New York Yankees they hey you know we got all these injuries but at least Clint Frazier broke out and psych goes to the IL dude like this is crazy They've become a legitimate sympathetic figure here because this is insane. Uh, left ankle strain, going to be out for at least two weeks. They traded for Cameron Mabin. I think Reggie Jackson's starting tonight. Um, I was reading some news. Are, are you picking up Reggie Jackson in all formats? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I know he's Mr. October and we're still in April, but... But you got uh, you need some players. He's gonna man. get playing time. It, it's <laughs> funny because I've been doing these uh, write ups for DFS over on Fantasy Alarm, and like days like today, uh, where it's a really short slate, it's like I'm writing up all these Yankees because the Yankees are playing tonight, and it's Mike Ford and Mike Talkman Talk- and uh, Tyler Wade, Tyler Wade, and it's like, and like I have to write them up, but I feel so gross doing them because it's like, oh, great. There's a shot that you could really, you know, have to use. God, you know, uh, what? Gl- Check notes. I was Mike Tochman. Oh, yeah. Tochman. My bad. Uh, no, I'm, I was trying to think of the dude who was a former top prospect, but's playing third base for them right now. Uh, Gio oh, Urshela. Uh, Gio Urshela. Yeah. Like you know, like this is a viable DFS play against Trevor Cahill, and that's gross. I remember having some hype for Gio Urshel. Yeah. I, I was kind of in on him at Cleveland thinking, hey, he could be a little something. He always said um, for average. We were just waiting for the power to kind of show yep. up. At, yeah, at this point, though, I mean, this is this is absolutely brutal. They did get Sanchez back, and they do have Glaber Torres. You know, they got two real stalwarts in the middle there, and DJ LeMay, who's been good, Luke Boyd. You know, they have some pieces, but the other half of their lineup is absolutely brutal. Um, obviously, this clears even another bit of runway for Mike Talkman. As far as Mike Ford and Tyler Wade go, what what is their fantasy viability? What kind of format are you looking at at either, if at all? Tyler Wade already has three stolen bases. Uh, Mike Talkman or, or Talkman already has three homers, but uh, Ford is what I want to talk about. So Ford and Wade, where where are you looking at them? I'm not looking at Wade. Okay. Uh, Mike Ford. In a 15-team mix, I guess he has some viability. He is a f- he would have like got some pub. I think it was last year after, uh, or maybe it was the year before after the Rule Five draft. Uh, he got a little bit of pub. People thought, oh, maybe this was a guy that uh, could come up at some point and be, uh, you know, a little bit fancy value. He's got pop in the bat. Uh, I think he is mostly a platoon guy, and even with their limited resources, I think they're still probably going to platoon him. Okay. But he's got the strong side of it. Uh, popped a homer the other night. 
which was great for my DFS squad. Uh, it's going to strike out a ton and not hit for average, but he walks, uh, and he's walking a ton right now. So OBP yeah, he leagues, deeper couple, OBP formats. He's got, he's got a couple of 400 OBP seasons in the minors. Um, got a 23% walk rate right now. Holy moly. Okay, yeah, so there you go with Mike Ford. And you said no no go on Tyler Wade. Obviously, AL only you have to consider him because if that guy is breathing in an only league. Yeah, and it, it's it's ugly right now. I'll try not to talk about imagine. my main event team, you know, right this minute, but uh, it's just it's the the whole landscape of fantasy is ugly, and I don't know something I've been thinking about, and you can tell me if you think this is stupid or not. I wonder if the juiced balls are having an effect uh, with some of these injuries, guys trying to throw it harder, guys trying to swing harder, and and like. Causing some injuries. I, yeah, you know I mean, what would be I have interesting. No idea what, if there's a correlation, but it just well to analyze the type of injuries. Maybe one of the injury experts out there could do something like that and just see if there is anything. Is there an upturn in you Obliques, know oblique ones yeah. or yeah things that would come from swinging or or throwing exceptionally hard? I mean, I, I don't I don't think it's completely out of bounds. I think it would, it's something that would have to be studied for sure. But and I'm just yeah. not smart enough to make that. I, I'm certainly not yeah. either, but uh, okay. A little bit of positive news then. Guy coming back. Two guys coming back. Two pitchers. John Lester back uh, today or tomorrow. I didn't write it down, I but he's coming back today. I think it's today. And you know, less about Lester. I mean, he's included, of course. But I wanted to talk more about that rotation there because you mentioned how poor the landscape of of really fantasy baseball in general has been right now. It's been so uh, sketchy. Just so many bad things happening. Darvish kind of getting the headlines for his for his flops, but the rest of that rotation's been really strong. Cole Hamels been great. Jose Quintana, I watched him the other night against the Dodgers. He looked like peak Jose Quintana from the White Sox. I was very very he was impressed with some that balls out. Too, and, of course he was. But, uh, but that's that, part of what he does I was at his about to peak. Say, yeah, yeah, he works those edges. And when he's not, when you're not walking, guys, you get those calls. I'm not saying it's right. Uh, in fact, the Ma- the Max Muncy one was crazy because he threw the ball in the same spot three times, and it was strike ball strike, and it, and it was literally the same spot. There's a great uh, I got a great like photo. I'll I'll, I'll text it to you real quick um, of uh, his, his one of the at bats that Barnes had against him, and no joke. There, there's three balls and two strikes. Uh, in this, and one of the balls, well, two of the balls were obviously in the zone. One of the strikes is completely out of, or well, close to being out of the zone. But like, it's just, it's so funny, like the the poor officiating in that game, uh, in terms it of calling brutal. balls and strikes was. Uh, but that being said, Quintana has looked much better, and I think we're getting a little bit of vintage version. And like you said, Darvish is the only one that's really struggling in this rotation. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what Lester does when he comes back, uh, because while he He's has been pitching pitched, well for three starts, yeah, but the the metrics don't support it, and that's it's true. Uh, that's you know he, he's given up home runs. He's been yeah. walking guys at a higher rate uh, so far this year. Obviously, super small sample, uh, and he's so I think that there's obvious an obvious regression coming his way. Uh, the question is how much, because we've also seen him. Uh, oh, last year outpitch his uh, peripherals. So why for 180 innings? Yeah. yeah. So why couldn't he potentially do that again this year? I, I agree with that on Lester. He's definitely my sketchiest of the of the group that's pitching well between Hamels, Quintana, Hendricks, 
and Lester. Um, with Darvish, obviously it's been it's been super brutal. Are you are you moving on from him in any mixed leagues? I mean, I think obviously ten team leagues you can, and I think twelve team leagues depending on what's available. In um... oh my god, I got the plot. This is <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> that fourth pitch is amazing. That's uh, insane, dude. It's like almost down the center, and, and they called it a ball. Um, uh, he his last start was encouraging, and so in if if I've been holding on to him through the first four. Yeah, uh, it's actually his last two starts. Last or, two for Darvish, yeah. you know, fifteen strikeouts in ten and two thirds, uh, still seven walks, which mm-hmm. is worrisome. I haven't heard anything about it, but I'm wondering: is that blister still lingering at all from the one that he suffered a... at the end of uh, of spring? Because that really put the fear of God into me. And I was somebody who was very high on Darvish, and once I heard about that, I'm like, oh God, those things can linger. And so I was I was terrified by that. Um, but we haven't heard anything that it's obviously it hasn't popped back open because he hasn't left any starts. But is there any residuals on it? Because I mean that would eat up your command. Yeah. Not that he's ever had great command either. That's the problem though. Any little influence on your command when you've already been somebody who can nibble and kind of throw it around, uh, you know, on the outside of the zone. That's a little bit worrisome. But I agree. Two starts in a row. Homer's still a problem. Walk's still a problem. Would you buy low in a fifteen team? Where, where, okay, say you're going the wrong way. You, you know things just aren't going well, but you, you don't really want to trade your few good pieces that you have to to try to like get stuff. Would you go start to buy low on some guys? And and would Darvish be included in that? I think now is a good time to start shopping for those deals, and I think Darvish is one of those guys that. If I'm encouraged by the last outing, and personally I am, that he is a guy that I would try to acquire because I think some people are just ready to give up on him. Yes, hundred uh, percent. I totally understand. And if you're one of those people and you can't handle this anymore, feel free to to move on, like sell him, uh, drop him. But I think uh, he's got such a high upside that I'm willing to take the gamble that this last start, the while. You know, there's definitely some things that you don't love in terms of he gave up two home runs. He still walked three batters in five innings. Uh, he, he definitely looked better. The velocity was up, uh, and the velocity's been up for the last two outings. Uh, I think this is a good time to kind of go, okay, here's the opportunity to buy. Maybe he's not going to be the Darvish of old, but he could be a Robbie Ray-ish version. Yeah, that's a good comp. And... And Robbie Ray is pitching much better than a six ERA. Exactly. So I, I, I'm, I'm staying firm on on my Darvish shares right now, and I would even possibly be open to acquiring another one uh, for the right price because I just don't think it would be a high price. Yeah, that so. that's the question is, like, where do we think you? What do you? Th- we think we could trade to get a Darvish uh, at this point. So like, I'm just gonna. I'll throw some, uh, maybe some hitters at you. Okay. That you, you know, because obviously, if you go pitcher for pitcher, I think people get a little wary of that. Oh, absolutely. I think it's really difficult to do that because they're just going to compare the st- the stats, and and it probably just say no right. out of hand. Do you think you would trade Eric Hosmer for you, Darvish? In a second. Okay. Would you Would you rather have Luke Voigt 
or Darvish. Ooh, that one's tough. By the way, we're going to assume that needs are are pretty equal here instead of saying, well, if I need pit, no, no, it's not, it's not helpful. Um, I think I would because I, I can get that done. I think I can get that done quite a, quite a bit. So I think I would do that. What about uh, Paul DeYoung? <laughs> Dude, I am not trading Carlos Correa Jr. Did you see I have a bet with Dusty? What? Oh, what do you got? Uh, from this day forward, WRC plus. Uh, uh, Dude, DeYoung versus Correa. Um, because I obviously I could we couldn't do like season total because DeYoung is so far ahead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, winner buys, uh, uh, or the loser buys the winner dinner. So now you're, um, you're going to lose because when Dusty makes bets, uh, just you, stupid you, crap. You know happens. how I'm going to lose is he's going to like get off to this really hot start for like two weeks and then get hurt. And his WRC plus will be stuck gonna, at, we should have yeah. done war. Uh, <laughs> or, or or something that has caveats on health and whatnot. Yeah, but I mean, De Young's had his own health issues in the past too. So. Sure. Uh, would you trade? Oh, let's see. Uh, um, a struggling Hunter Renfro, and he's struggling because he's not getting the playing time. I think I would. Do you think that would get it done? I think I think it would have a chance to. Yes. I think I would also do Fran Mill Reyes while we're talking about mm-hmm. their guys. See, I, I think I would keep Reyes. I really like what I, I, when, whenever I see Reyes up to bat now, I'm just and I and I and I'll be the first to admit I was not on the the train last year when when other people were, and I I, I kept waiting for the bottom to fall out. But I, I've become a convert. Uh, let's see one one more. Do you, I'm, I'm going to look for a guy that is started off pretty hot, but was drafted super low. Okay. Um, oh, the aforementioned uh, Mikel Franco. I would do that, yes. And I, think and I would I, especially do that where I do need pitching. I, I know we said that needs are neutral, but if I do, you know, say I got a lot of decent hitting around that and he's almost been a little bit of a surplus for me, I'm, I'm especially doing that And there. I think that I think I can, would get done. Yeah. I'd be I'd be really surprised if someone told me no on that. What about Manny Margot, who's been pretty great this year? Ooh, that was tough. I've been I've been a Margot fan in the past. It is hard to trade uh, potential speed, although he only has one stolen base. Yeah, uh, I, I would he's offer that. A little bit of a slump because he in two sixty nine. He was hitting three hundred last week. See, and that's what <laughs> things things can change on a dime. Oh yeah, we're we're still in, and and it, it will remain for another couple weeks that it can change on a dime. A hot week can can make it to where you're having a good start, and a cold week can be like, oh, this guy's struggling. So it, it, we're still in the flip zone for sure, uh, the volatility zone, as I like to call it. So yeah, Darvish is somebody you can definitely go out there and and, and take a shot on. I, I one of the things that bothers me a little bit in in fantasy baseball community is like. People talk about buy low, sell high, and then they don't never they never want to buy the actual low. They want to buy the ones that are like, um, you know, have amazing oh. metrics, but like a crummy ERA, aka oh, oh, the or, ones everyone knows is going to flip. Or, or the guys that were first rounders, like, oh, let's buy low on Francisco Lindor right now. Like, yeah, nobody's yeah, selling Francisco. I'm going to buy Lindor. low on Noah Syndergaard. No, you're not, dude. <laughs> Oh, well, Garrett Cole is a 522 ERM. I'm, I'm probably going to go get him, dude. I think I'll go get him. Okay, well, you're going to pay top freaking dollar. To buy low is to actually find a distressed asset and, and get it super cheap. 
Like it just fantasy world, people aren't trading the the Scherzers and Syndergaards and Coles at an actual low. I think you do see that a little bit in the in like the 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 traditional home leagues where people are aren't like taking fantasy super seriously. They're just doing it to get together with their friends. Sure. Uh, and they're not listening to podcasts like this one. Yeah. Um, but I think in any competitive league, those trades don't happen. They just, yeah, I just don't see them happening. So this is, this is buying low here. It, it's stinky. It has to, it has to be kind of ugly for you to get a true discount in most cases. So, uh, that's where we're at with Darvish and the Cubs, uh, rotation, which again has been mostly good. And, you know, obviously they got projected by Pocota to finish last. And I think part of it was thinking that that aged rotation could fall back a bit, which obviously it still could. We're only we're only you know just about through April, but they're off to a solid start. They're sitting right there at twelve and ten, and that's going to be an interesting division. I remember when Pakota came out and everyone freaked out that they were last. I thought it was less negative against the Cubs and more positive about the division. Yeah. Um, at, at this point, though, I have a hard time seeing how they would finish below the Reds. <laughs> but I, I don't want to overreact to just a, a couple weeks because then I'm, I'm I'm no better than what we tell people not to do. But, man, they're off to such a horrific start with their hitting. It is so bad. But uh, there is another injury return tomorrow, and that's going to be Tyler Skaggs for the Angels. My Were boy. you a Skaggs guy coming yeah. in? Yeah, I thought so. I thought I've so. been a Skaggs guy you, for a long time. Are you a Heaney guy too or just yep. a Skaggs? I'm okay. an even bigger Heaney guy. <laughs> okay. I Thought I had that right, and so I did. Well, so, obviously, because uh, they're injured. Like, well, yeah, duh. You gravitate. I know a lot of people look towards skills first. You look uh, towards frailty. Yeah, yeah I, I look towards frailty, <laughs> and then and then I worry about skills, and and, and then you go from there. Yeah. So. All right. Well, Tyler Skaggs is returning. He like Lester. He had three starts before he went on the IL, so he's he's always done a little something this year. Um, the first one. Pitch count got run up, so he only made it four and two-thirds, but he wasn't exactly pummeled. Then he bounced back with a solid start against the Rangers, and then he was he was pretty bad against the Cubs, although he did have seven strikeouts. It was three homers that really did him in, and he was out in four innings. Um, so, you know, a little mixed bag here, nothing crazy to go off of, but he's going to be returning from a left ankle sprain, which, you know, not an arm injury. You love that. And uh, he was pretty good last year, especially when you kind of really dug into the game log and saw that two comically awful starts absolutely decimated his numbers he had a 262 era gets utterly blitzed for 10 runs in three and a third against tampa bay moves him all the way up to a 334 okay let's take a little 10 day dl stint comes back guess he's not ready gets punched in the throat for seven also in three and a third against oakland so he's 17 runs in six and two thirds Moves his ERA from 262 to 378. It's pretty hard to move your ERA in a more than a run in two starts in August, <laughs> but he did it. Um, and so, yeah, that kind of derailed the season. He, he came back for three short starts to end the year and ended up with a 402. But if you look, I mean, he was great for 19 starts. So with Skaggs coming back, how do you feel about him going forward? And is he someone you might go out and try to buy because – I think you could buy a little bit lower. I mean, he doesn't have a high cost to begin with, so I think you could just buy. I don't even think we have to call it buy low, more of just a buy. So are you going out to try to get Skaggs? I think I am. Uh, I've always loved the skills. Uh, He has gotten better about his uh, command. 
but he still gives up those homers, which is always kind of his bugaboo. Like it's just, it, and it's it's frustrating. Uh, that being said, in spite of that, he has put up you know four. He put up a four ERA, like you said, in 125 innings, and he's just got. I guess got to stay on the field. So, I think in a shallower format. I'm more willing to take the shot on him because there is some sort of replacement value mm-hmm. because who knows? I mean, we haven't seen him go above that 125 innings. He pitched last season in his entire career. Yeah. And the majors he hasn't, he, I think he has some seasons that go above it. If you add Skaggs as minors and majors for a given season, but he's not a volume that. guy. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't honestly think he, uh, Oh, and maybe in, yeah, in 2013, he, and uh, thirteen, but in, but in only the, all in the minors. Oh no no, yeah, thirty eight in the majors. But only thirteen, yeah. That's where he's really done that in twelve. Like it's it's early, it's early in his career. These last few years has just not been something where Skaggs can stay on the field. But he can give you some good innings while he's out there. I'm interested in, in seeing what he can do when he comes back. And that I want to see what team. his velocity looks like because his velocity was down like a tick and a half uh, to start start the year and I think that will be an issue for him uh, there's a big difference between throwing 90 from the left hand side and, and throwing 92 oh for sure so l- let's see what his velocity looks like but if his velocity is 91 92 uh, then I'm probably going to go acquire a few shares yeah and they desperately need him on the Angels because their pitching's been horrendous. So Tyler Skaggs yeah. coming in there and stabilizing the rotation could it's, really Yeah, help. it's really, really bad there, their pitching staff. All right, Justin, we're going to talk a little bit about redrafting from this point forward. And yeah. a lot of times it's a hypothetical scenario, but the NFBC is actually going to be running a series mm-hmm. of leagues. Now, they're not going to start them for about a month at this point. So we're jumping in a little early, but I just want to get some thoughts on on how things have changed for you so far. So it's called the Second Chance Leagues, by the way. If you want to go to their website and take a look, it's uh, playnfbc.shgn.com. Just Google NFBC Baseball if you really want to find it, if you're not uh, committing that to memory there. But, yeah, they're going to have a, a, a second chance contest. The draft's going to start in May. That's going to be really interesting to see how things change quite a bit. So I wanted to talk about some of the stuff that we've seen change. Let's, of course, start with the first round because there will be drastic changes there. And it's going to follow their 12-team format uh, or their online championship format, which is a 12-team. So we are going to kind of use that as the uh, as the framework there looking at the 12-team online Roto-Wire championship for this year. And so it went Trout, Betts, Scherzer, Jose Ramirez, J.D. Martinez, Christian Yelich, Trey Turner, Ronald Acuna Jr., Arenado, DeGrom, Sale, Judge. Those are the top 12 on average how many of those do we think – okay, let me just go down it real quick. Uh, Trout, Betts, Scherzer, they all stay in the first round. Does Jose Ramirez remain a first-rounder? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think – and, of course, things could change in this month. We're, we're doing the exercise today because we thought it would be something fun to talk about. But, obviously, by the time they start doing those drafts, it could change a bit. But right now, I, I'd say no. Uh, I think J.D. still would. Yelich – is I, Yelich – treated as the number one pick or do you still take trout i still take trout but i think yelich is the number two pick for sure yes and i think he'll be number one in a lot of the leagues you said they're only doing a set number right i think they're doing 180 spots okay so So, whatever that is in 
15 leagues. Yeah, so... So uh, of those 15, how many will Yelich be number one pick? 30%. Okay, so that would be four and a half. So that one half league where he goes 1B. So four to five leagues where we where we think Yelich could go as the top spot. Trout's right there. Okay, um, next up we've got Trey Turner. Now, this is, gonna, this is one of the bigger ones. I think he will be a first-round pick because by then he'll be back. Bingo. That's how I was going to say. This is one of the ones where us doing this now versus when they're actually going to do it is such a big difference. We'll do an update. So I, we'll do, let's do an update like the week before. Agreed. And I think Memorial Day is when you said the drafts mm-hmm. are happening. They're all okay. happening Memorial Day weekend. All right. So, so uh, I've, got, yeah, we'll, I've got about a month to talk my wife into letting me do this. <laughs> I got a month to agonize about whether or not I really should. So, we'll, you know, what? we'll see how the teams are doing Ooh, around you know then. What? We should share a team. and then do a live podcast while we draft. Uh, That's You're coming up with ideas right now, boy. I like this. I like this idea. I'm liking this. Uh, So, yeah, I agree. Trey Turner, by the time he returns, assuming he does return and looks good, I think he'll still be there. What about Ronald Acuna Jr.? I don't think he's anything to fall out. He should stay stay in first round. No, I think he stays there. Okay. Um, Nolan Arenado. Now, he only has like an 88 WRC plus. He hasn't been that good. Do you think he still goes there? Does he get pushed maybe to the second round for some of these high, high flying? I think uh, it becomes a borderline pick in probably an early second rounder. Just, I was going to say top value 20 for yeah. sure. But I think becomes- you see a bunch of other guys start to jump up because Altuve has been great. Javier Baez yep. has been great. Anthony Rendon just continues to dominate. Mm-hmm. You know, here's one. Matt Chapman has been absolutely killing it. I'm not saying you necessarily take Chapman over Arenado, but wouldn't you eschew Arenado at that high cost and take Chapman and say the third or fourth instead? Now, I feel like I don't know that Chapman goes in the third or fourth. Maybe he goes sooner. Maybe I, I think Rendon kind of takes the spot of Arenado, mm-hmm. and then maybe Chapman comes in and takes like the spot of Chris Bryant. Because I think Bryant falls oh, down yeah. too. Bryant tumbles, I'd say, out of the top 100. So I think they're both top top round, uh, top like 25 picks there for Chapman and Rendon. And I think Arenado is is might still be top 20, but maybe it's top 30, top 40 for him. Um, and again, the month could change it. Get a get a good stand at Coors where he goes off and everyone calms down a little bit. Plus, I I use WR, I said w, 88 WRC plus. They get hammered, uh, Rockies do. He has four homers, a 278 average, 16 runs, 17 ribbies. I, I don't want to overstate where he's at. It's just that that WRC Plus gets pummeled by Coors Field, and so uh, it, it makes it look a lot worse because there's no there's no alteration in fantasy. There, his, his home runs and RBIs play the same as everybody else's for fantasy purposes. So Arenado will be an interesting one for sure. Uh, DeGrom and Sale, I'd say DeGrom, if, obviously if he's back and it's all it's all fine and dandy, yes. But what about Chris Sale? Well, here's the here's, real question. Here's my question is, is Trevor Bauer ahead of both of them? I think so, and maybe even Blake Snell. Now we'll see what happens. Snell was a little bumpy coming back yesterday from the toe injury. Maybe it was just like, hey, just kind of getting used to a little bit of soreness in the toe, or maybe it's still hurt. Is, is there any... Here's the real question, though, too, with Sale. Is there anything he can do to stay a first-rounder even in the next month? Or does he just fall to the second round by virtue of the fact that Bauer goes ahead and maybe Snell and Verlander and 
Luis Castillo. Okay, I'm kidding. But <laughs> maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not. I think uh, one amazing start from Chris Sale and everybody kind of lets out a deep sigh of relief. So if Chris Sale goes eight out. one hit innings with 12 strikeouts. Yeah, if Chris Sale goes out and he's pumping 96 uh, and he strikes out double digits and, and allows no earned runs over seven or eight innings in his next start or in any start in the next month, then everybody goes, oh, Chris Sale's back. Okay. But until he does something like that, I don't know how people take him in the top two rounds. Yeah. And that's yeah. what, so top 25 picks uh, in, in, in one of these. And really, he probably shouldn't be going in the first three to four rounds. Probably not. I mean, because, you know, you're only drafting for four months, too, at that point as mm-hmm. well. Like, you don't have as much time to, like, let things kind of smooth out or, or... The negative stuff doesn't count or, you know, what he's put up doesn't yeah. count. But... I mean, if he continues to just be bad, it's harder to turn the ship around with a shorter season. Exactly. Um, Judge won't be back, right? Or he will? I don't think he will. I don't think he will. So he won't be a first rounder, that's for sure. No. But but where where do you consider? I think it the- largely what- depends on what the injury is. Because we just saw with Stanton, you know, Stanton was supposed to come back this week and has had a minor setback. And now he won't be back till at least uh, early next week, and that's that's a big if. And so all it takes is, uh, and this was a significant oblique injury. All it takes is a little setback, and we've seen a lot of setbacks with oblique injuries in the past. And he's yep. out for another four to five weeks on top of the sixty-eight week timetable we already have. So for me, Aaron Judge is likely. Unless he tumbles in a draft, kind of off my draft, board. he is kind of off my board for the most part. Yep, I got I got to agree with that. Like, and obviously and, out of the first round. For and sure. I, you know, obviously, you know, it's been the running joke has been about my NFBC main event team that I, I purposely took a lot of injury risk into. But I think a format like this, while there is replacement value because it's twelve team, uh, you can't take the kind of risks with with injured players that you may have at the beginning of the season because, like I said before, shorter season means less time to turn things around if things go yep. bad. Yeah, those 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 two months chopped off the front, all of a sudden you're, you're playing a, a much tighter game, and I think you go for more of that stability. Um, all right, here's one. Does he bump into the first round, Cody Bellinger? I think he should. I, I think he will, too. I think uh, both I mean, should and what, will. what he does, I mean, he could obviously go through like a horrendous – uh, stretch. Yeah, but he, uh, where... I don't even think he has to be as good. If he's just solid Cody Bellinger, mm-hmm. in addition to what he's already done, I think he's a first-rounder. Yeah, I, I do too. Uh, so. um, okay. Trevor Story was right on the cusp there, and he's really done nothing to to say that he isn't great. Does he take one of those first-round spots? He's got five homers, six steals, 292 average. He's been fantastic on ESPN's player radar. He's the sixth hitter overall. Is he a first-rounder if he maintains... I think he is. Here's one. He, he's pretty much doing exactly what he did last season. So Correct. Those people out there are like, well, the average is going to regress. Or this is going to It has regress. not. It has he not. Is, he is like right in line with everything he's done last year. Yeah, he's just basically matching what he did last year. Trevor Story is, and he's been great. You know, another one who is who was a big like bust pick, um, and I, I included him on a bust pick for something too, um, Javier Baez, hitting 312, mm-hmm. eight homers, two steals. He's done everything he did last year. He's actually one slot ahead of Baez. 
and he has triple eligibility. So do both of them take first round spots, yes. Baez and, and Story? I think so. What about the guy who he can't possibly do what everyone thinks that he can do? 283, three homers, seven steals. Aldoberto Mondesi. <laughs> I knew this He's one was seven. coming. He's behind both of them. And I was part of the chill out guys. You know, you can't keep this steals pace and all that. But, uh, you know, he's been he's been fantastic. And this isn't like fantasy relevant because the, the, the stat itself doesn't count. But he has four triples as well. I'm sure at least a couple. Yeah, more. I shouldn't say I'm killing his own bit. fantasy value because he keeps hitting those triples. Can't, unless you start stealing home. Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, but no, he's, he's been electric and he's been absolutely fantastic. Maybe he doesn't creep into that top 12 there, but he's on pace for 20 homers, 21 homers and 48 steals, which is what some of those projection systems had him at. So is Mondesi like right there as a top 15 guy? Mm, yeah. Like right think, on the cusp. I think he's got to be. And I still think there's a really low floor and that's why, uh, that's why the, uh, he's not an automatic first rounder, but, I think yeah, you at this point you have to say like he hasn't proven what he did at the end of last season, but he's shown he's that maintained it. Yeah, he's shown that he's been able to maintain it. Still think there's regression coming, and I still think that that because I mean even with this amazing hot streak and you know or hot start to the season, his on base percentage is still three oh eight. Like so hilariously bad, and that that's with an improvement in average. That just speaks to like average is what seven points higher than it was last year. (laughs) Imagine if we could get him to like take some walks and Mondesi could have like a 330 Mm -hmm. OBP, which isn't even like eye poppingly great. It's fine, but just imagine what he'd be able to do with that. But but maybe we don't, maybe we're just over imagining and just uh, appreciate him for what he does, which is absolutely beast out. Uh, Let's stay in the middle infield here and talk about two. Two guys, a little keystone combo there, Yon Moncada and Tim Anderson. Yon Moncada, now you're here. Um, the duo would obviously not be first rounders. I don't even think they'd necessarily be second rounders. But where are you where are you taking them? In fact, let me let me give you where they went first. Moncada was pick one fifty on average. Um, and Tim Anderson was one thirty five. Anderson actually went before. So they were one thirty five for Anderson, one fifty for Moncada. Where do they go now in a redraft situation? And who do you believe in more? I think they're both probably going to go in the top 50, obviously, if drafts were today. Yes. Uh, I believe in Moncada a hell of a lot more than I believe in Tim Anderson. One, because we've seen this. You don't buy a 900 uh, Babip or whatever the hell it is for Tim Anderson? (laughs) It wouldn't surprise me if that's what it was. Uh, His Babip is 443 uh, right now. Uh, We've seen this from Tim Anderson before. Like, this is not a new thing. I think the last two years. um, He got off to, like, really brilliant starts, and it's like, here's the breakout, and it's like, yeah. Last year he had, what, what, four home runs and eight stolen bases with a 267 average uh, in in the first month of the season. Uh, The year before, uh, he hit, oh, I guess the year before he wasn't that great. Oh, no, it was was May. His May with a 319 average, uh, four home runs. Uh, and a stolen base, like he gets off to these hot starts and then kind of pewters out. Sometimes he researches in in September. Sometimes he doesn't. Uh, it's it's such a volatile uh, batting profile, and it's one of the reasons why we kind of pointed at Mondesi, like, hey, he's kind of Tim Anderson ish. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, he's got power in the bat. He's got definitely has speed. Uh, but the average is going to fluctuate, and with him not walking, it's the lows are going to be really low, and the highs are going to be really high. So this is one of the high points. I think he's going to get overdrafted in this uh, in this format. Uh, but Moncada, I believe in some of the changes that Moncada's made, and uh, maybe, maybe it's pro, you know a belief in the prospect pedigree finally paying off. Uh, but I love seeing the strikeout rate drop so dramatically, the chase rate drop. Uh, he's making great contact. Uh, he's being aggressive at the plate, uh, which uh, uh, one of my guys, I think it was Matt Thompson, uh, uh, pointed out on the most recent Friends of Fantasy Benefits podcast that, oh, no, actually, sorry, it's it's Fangraphs and Friends of Fantasy Benefits own Mike Warner uh, pointed out that he led the league in called strikeouts. Called strikes. Yeah. 85 times. Most ever, Jeremy Frank from at MLB Random Stats had a big piece on it, uh, or a big tweet on it, and I, I actually did a assessing the early batter breakouts for the ten this week, including Moncada and Anderson, and I became I came away really strong on, on Moncada because while his walk rate is way down, so is the strikeout rate, and it is that aggression where he's not going to get set in situations where he could take those K's looking, um, eighty five strikeouts looking. That is absolutely bananas. And his first 86 plate appearances of the year, he hadn't had a strikeout look. I don't know if that's continued. The, the tweet was on April 22nd. But even still, the, like the most Moncada could have right now is like two or three strikeouts looking. He's going up there, ready to hit. And this is one of the things we've talked about in the past with some guys. Is it passivity or is it patience with a walk rate? I think there was definitely some passivity with Moncada kind of waiting for that that perfect what's the phrase don't let uh, good be the enemy of perfect or something i don't know that like, one but i like it like you know take this good pitch and drill it in the gap for a double that you can do something with or even a base hit instead of waiting for that perfect home run pitch which you may not get this at bat instead you get deep into a three two count you just stand there with the bat on your damn shoulder and take all these strikeouts looking and so um yeah we're seeing this the strikeout rate's down to 23%. Walk rate's down to 8 I'll take an 8% walk rate. That's average. That's fine for Moncada. And his, his stat cast numbers are off the charts. Off right? the disgusting charts. Like, they're so yeah. nasty right now. He's killing barrel it. percentage, 95-mile-per-hour uh, exit velocity. Uh, his X-slug is 625, X-woba 413. Uh, I mean, and the, all of these stats are, like, top 5% in the league. Yep. So it's like he is not only is he killing it, and a lot of guys are killing it, but he's killing it in comparison to the rest of the league right now. Yeah, I really like what Moncada is doing. I think in a redraft like like this, uh, like these second chance leagues, I'd probably be one of the more aggressive guys on him, and and maybe take him where Mondesi was going in the season drafts Fourth this year, round. which was like yeah, like thirty sixth pick ish. Uh, I think that's where I'm starting to look at Moncada, and I might not even get him. Maybe I would be. Maybe I'd be under aggressive, so I, I don't even I can't even say for sure that I would necessarily get him. So uh, let me think about a few other hitters here before we talk about attacking pitching, because I think that would be the real interesting scenario that we would see. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, I think there was a little bit of concern late in draft season about his shoulder. Certainly looks like it's fine now. He's got nine homers and three stolen bases. We've seen him be great before. I wonder would he jump up a bit? He was pick eighty four. 85 range 
would he be, say, a top 60 pick as a power guy who's chipping in a little bit of speed on a high-quality team? So his context numbers would be really strong as well. Would he take like a Puig spot who was 58th? Would they maybe flip-flop or even Puig go down further? But would would Marcelo Zuna jump up into the top 60 for you? Mm, I think he'd be close. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if this is one of those like freaky Friday type things, because since he fell off that wall, he's hitting 326, fourth, uh, 453, 884 with seven home runs and two that was bases. So funny, dude. So, uh, and he I, owned I it. Like they, he they, knocked they some lit, sense into himself. Yeah. They lit him up in the dugout and it was great. Um, you know, he just, you got to laugh at that. He thinks he's climbing on the wall to steal one. And then it ends up in front of him. If you haven't seen it, just and, well, and then his Google. cleat gets like stuck in the yeah, wall. Yeah. He got stuck. So he's he's like falls. <laughs> Marcelo Zuno wall. If you haven't seen it, you'll, you'll, you'll well, and that it. won't be the only video that pops up. That's either. true. Because there's the one from what two years ago. Yes, uh, done it more than once. But he's he's raking. And uh, you mentioned Freaky Friday. What about sticking with a baseball movie? Rookie of the year. Remember when he falls and uh, you know obviously becomes what what he does. You know, so something knocked something there when uh, Ozuna falls off that wall and he's been absolutely tearing it up, looking like peak Miami version. I, I've always been a backer, so I would I I think that's why I wanted to highlight him and say that I would push him up. I think I would kind of have him in that in that Puig range. I don't know uh, if which I was would. But I, I can I just believe in the other, pop. I I, I, I totally believe in the pop. I just, I don't know if I believe in the average. Speaking I mean, of believing in the pop, would Chris Davis still be underrated as hell? He went forty fourth, and that's still too low. Would he go up in well, in the second chance league here? Does he have outfield eligibility now? Because I think part of the reason Chris Davis got bumped down was because a big part for sure. Uh, was because uh, no, he, he's twenty six DH. Yeah, so I don't think he would. I, I think he's going to still be underrated. I mean, I know his average is back down. It's down to 232 right now, but he just clubs homers. Well, he's but just then such... you know there's going to be average growth because he's got to finish at 247. He has to, obviously. So, so uh, yeah, I would I would, I mean, I would gladly take him if he fell down there again, though, too. Like, if that's what, if he just kind of stayed where – he probably would just stay where he is because of the UT only. What about Vlad Jr., by the way? We, we let off the show talking about that's him. Where was he going something like this? Now, obviously, there's time. But let's say the drafts were this weekend and not a, a month from I now. I think so he's going to go in the end of the second, early third. Yeah, he would go so high. And honestly, I think there are going to be leagues, uh, depending on how he starts, obviously – we we don't know. I mean, he could start off putridly and drop quite a bit, and I think. But if he starts off hot, or if drafts were happening this weekend, there are going to be people taking him in the first round. I mean, there were people yeah. oh, who took oh, him yeah. in the second of the fifteen team leagues, uh, knowing they were going to miss a month of the season. Yeah. So exactly. knowing you get him from the get go, if he's Anything close to his advertised, he's going to be a first rounder for a lot of people. Yeah, I think so too. I think we would would see Vlad Jr. really jump up. Let's go on the other side uh, of well, the prospect. Here's a question. Oh, go ahead. It, it, if Vlad hits, let, let's say we get to this draft, so we're we're talking about a month from now. So let's say Vlad has five home runs and he's hitting two ninety. Uh, who would you rather have? Arenado or Vlad? Oh my god, dude! I, I <laughs> the fact that this is 
<laughs> I gotta take to Arenado, but holy hell, dude! Like, like the, the fact that you paused right there, I think says a, a lot about. You know what I would do too? I think I, I'm not even 100 percent certain on my answer. I would do an assessment of how many more home games. Colorado, like if they've used an abundance of their home games by draft day, by Memorial Day, He's gonna do I, the math in your head. I, yeah, I might, I might, yeah, I might no, lean the other way. Like you know, just uh, just in early. Let's see here. Well, they're on a home stand right now uh, that they just finished, I mean, so they're going of the hundred games they have left. If he's got forty home games as opposed to you know fifty or sixty, then yeah, you might want to lean Vlad there. Sixteen. Okay, uh, so about that weekend, so they're gonna have 16 more home games from from now until about that draft time. So that's 16 plus the 12 that they've played. So you're looking at 28. So they're gonna have 53 home games left for for the Rockies. Okay, and that seems like a pretty good number. That sounds like a 50 50 split for the most part. Yeah, and and so in the four months, you're you're, you're talking about 13 per month. Think I would still lean Arenado, but that is actually a legitimate question, particularly with the hypothetical that you point out of Vlad really hitting the ground running and and popping mm-hmm. two ninety with five bombs. All of a sudden, you're like, "Holy hell!" And the and, like, and some people are going to be like, "This is just the beginning. He's still I mean, adjusting." Um, and so I think, I think if he does anything close to that, Vlad is. I don't know that I would take him in the first round. But I think he will be a first round pick for the most part. Man, I think I think he really would. Let's so let's here, run. Here's here's another interesting question for for that. Um, I, I know you're trying to run to pitching, but no, uh, no, no, no. I was actually going to run to Eloy, by the way. But go ahead. Okay, how would you do your KDS, Eloy? Um, wow, that's actually a fantastic question. So for those that don't know, that's the Kentucky Derby system, where you slot the one through twelve in the order that you would want them. Then as they pull the names out, you get your top thing. So say I really wanted the twelfth pick, I'm like, oh, it's such a deep first round, and I put twelve as my number one. And then they pull my name out first, I would actually have the twelfth pick. It would not have the first pick. So, um, geez, I still think I'm leaning toward the top for the first couple maybe the top three uh, by the way we didn't mention bets but I'm still taking him very early I have so no would you, would you add in Trout Yelich bets, bets and then you're yes. guaranteeing yourself one of those three correct plus getting to double tap something on the way back correct so that's going to be my top three is the, is the top three and maybe even three two one Although I do love picking on the, I love I love double tap. So I, I, maybe maybe one three two or something like that. But then I might jump down to the end and start to work from there. Yeah, I think I would. That's probably... a really interesting question, dude. Because then I could take Vlad like with that. Well, well maybe one not. One of the beautiful parts about these is all of these drafts are taking place on the same weekend. So there won't be like an ADP available. Yes, nothing to influence it, which I love, by mm-hmm. the way. That's very smart of them. Uh, so everybody's – this is going to be drafts of go get your guys more than I think we have ever seen drafts. Uh, by sure. the way, I love this idea, and I hope NFBC continues to do stuff. I thought like – like this is exactly what fantasy baseball should have morphed into after the DFS craze is monthly drafts. Wasn't Chandler doing that for a while? But it, it was based on it was a great idea, but I think he implemented it wrong because it was based on a salary cap system. It wasn't actually oh, okay. drafting. Uh, 
And like this is every what's the funnest part of of, of fantasy baseball? It's draft Drafting, season. Let's baby. be honest. It's it's what analysts put the most work into. It's when podcast numbers are at their highest uh, and click numbers are at their highest. So like, why aren't we doing drafts every month? You know, and yo, this is yeah, this is gonna be bananas. I think this uh, I did is wanna, revolutionary, honestly. I wanted to bring up Aloy because obviously he hasn't hit the ground running. He's hitting 231, 286, 372. He's on the bereavement list right now. I'm actually not sure what happened to put him on the bereavement his, uh, list. His grandmother died. Is there So he should he should be back uh soon, but is there soon, any yeah. chance that her failing health was something that might have put, played a role? I'm not I'm not trying to be insensitive here. I think but I mm. In fact, I'm trying to be the opposite. I'm trying to say yeah. he was affect, he was affected by it. I mean I, I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, you, you can never really know for um, sure, but I do wonder a little bit of like, because you never know the relationship either, mm-hmm. right? Everyone has different. Some people uh, are raised by their grandparents. So, exactly. Yeah, I mean, this and, could and, be like and, a Stephen Biscotti situation where. Exactly. Uh, you know, I mean, I think Eloy is just kind of getting his feet wet. He hit two bombs in a game uh, not that in long ago. In a driving rain, by the way. Did you ever see mm-hmm. the highlight? That I was, was watching insane. the game, yeah. Insane. That was that reminded me of the Ollie Williams on uh, Family Guy. It's raining sideways because <laughs> it was wild, and he just hit he hit two bombs in that, um, and then he hit his third one about a week later, or whatever. So he's got three homers after really starting off slow. By the way, those two homers, that two homer game, we were still in the part where that raised his OPS two hundred points. <laughs> he went from six twenty eight to eight twenty eight. Now he's subsequently back down to six fifty eight. But again, another two homer wouldn't exactly raise it, raise it two hundred points, but it would raise it quite a quite a bit. So again, the volatility zone. I can't stress it enough. Like basically, just don't freak out. But where would Aloy go now? Because oh, if we're doing it drop. today, if we're doing it today. There's no way he goes top one ten, which is where he went. He was one oh eight. He wouldn't be one fifty. I wouldn't think. I think he would probably be maybe even outside the top two hundred. I would jump on that. I would too. I think it's. I think it's. I do. Think I think it's now is a buying opportunity. Yeah, for, for I agree. Uh, I think the unfortunate part about these drafts is they're not for another month, and I think he he will likely turn yeah. it around before then. Yeah, if he smooths out and he's hitting like seven seventy OPS type numbers, which still is not off the charts, but it's perfectly palatable, then he would kind of bounce back toward maybe say one fifty range for Aloy Jimenez. Um, all right, let's finish it up talking about pitching because that's obviously something that would change drastically. One of the main topics of the season has been just how brutal pitching's been. So what what would we be doing here? We talked about uh, the guys in the first round with um, with the Grom and Sale. And I think the Grom, by the time these drafts happen, if he's back and fine, he'll, he'll probably still be a first rounder. Sale, we talked about where we put him. But as far as the guys who are surging and, and failing right now, how would you attack pitching without having the benefit of of the month to see if Nola and Thor and Kluber get back on track? And where are you putting the guys like Glasnow and Castillo and Herman Marquez? Does he go even higher now? Because he hasn't been brutal at home. That's where his worst starts have been, of course. But he's been so good on the road that maybe he outruns even the the, the struggles that he you know will eventually run into at home. Um, so how how do you approach pitching right now in a redraft? Who I I think that you would have to go at it hard. Uh, you know, I had this I had I had a poll out a while ago about like 
with the amount of injuries we've seen and the, the offensive environment, should we be pushing pitching down or should we be reevaluating what it means to be an ace? Because yeah. I think part of the problem was we elevated so many guys into the upper tiers of pitching that it kind of watered down what we called an ace coming into the season. Sure. Uh, you know, maybe there were guys that uh, Kluber that shouldn't have been considered an ace. Uh, you know, maybe. But how, but how do you not? Like we had our concerns about him based but I'm on what, like, what might happen the, this maybe year. Maybe the tier of what we call an ace should be smaller. Maybe it should have been literally like four or five pitchers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Like, I mean, I, I kind of was treating like that. Where in terms of what I wanted, if I didn't get one of those top five, being Scherzer, Degrom, Sale, and the Astros, Verlander, Cole, I I was kind of pushing. I know a lot of folks push Bauer up. Uh, our boy Dusty was really big on Bauer. Snell was getting pushed up above Kluber and Nola. So you know. Whatever it is, maybe it's a five to five to seven player group there, as opposed to the twelve or so that people were tra- kind of thrusting in there. That is interesting, but what do we do now, though? You know, because if you look at this top list, Cole's got a bad ERA, but I'm not worried about him at all. I think he had one bad start in Texas, yeah. right? And uh, you know, there was strike zone call things that were kind of getting to him, so I'm I'm like literally zero percent worried about him. Kluber, again, for the five million worried, time, yeah. we, we, ex- we expressed some issue, but I, I don't really know what I'm going to change drastically. Nola, what about Nola and Thor? They're I'm, both toting five-something ERAs. Are, not are worried, you not worried about either of them. Okay, so you're still drafting them pretty high. Um, let's see, Bauer, Snell, they would move up, even Snell with the toe. Carrasco has done his thing again where he's got these these blow-ups and he looks it's always like always covering first base isn't it like that's always or, like, or, or, or getting hit by a batted ball yeah yep. but it's it, all it, it's always an infield hit of some sort that seems to you know it, it's you know, it's rarely like an actual pitching injury it's something that happens in the field of play he now has 12 scoreless or 11 scoreless in a row though with 16 strikeouts and just five hits, so he's getting back on track. Of course, he's he's trying to work off two six earned run outings, in, including the one at KC where he only finished two thirds. So it's going to take a while. By the way, talk about a buy low. If you can get, you can get any measure of a discount, even with the knee discomfort. I, I, I want to see what the knee turns into because I, I think you buy now though. But when when the cloud is hanging over, that's how I, you get the buy low. Um, yeah, I no, I, I get what you're saying. I just don't want to be caught holding the bag. If, well, you if, might be a little bit more gun shy than others, given the state of your my life, your, your health in some <laughs> leagues. So I, I, I can forgive you on that. Um, all right, continuing on, Bueller has it. Bueller and Flaherty, the two Bueller. babies who got super pushed up. You're not worried about them at all. Would no. you still be? How high would you still be taking them then? Mm, I mean, obviously, they, there's other guys who have jumped up, but I think yeah. Bueller for me is still a top 15 pitcher, and okay, and uh, and Flaherty's top 20-ish, top 25 for sure. So probably between 20 and 25. Bueller has a 10% swinging strike rate and 18% strikeout rate. No concern there? He's got the one big eight strikeout game. I mean, there's some concern because I've dropped him, and that's including... Dropped him in your In my ranks. So, uh, and that doesn't include a number of guys who would be in a redraft ranking 
that I don't rank because of injuries. So, yes. Uh, I mean, I dropped him this last week to uh, number 20. Okay. But that doesn't include Snell, DeGrom. Uh, I feel like there's other people who are injured. So, did yeah. you still rank Carrasco? Uh, I did because I think he got hurt he wasn't, that day. Yeah, and he wasn't technically in the IL. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I had Carrasco 13. So okay. I, I put him in the Strasburg, Morton, Shane Bieber area. For Bueller? Okay. No, no, about for, for, for Flaherty. Oh, for, uh, Bueller, for Flaherty. I, Bueller I have very few concerns about. Okay. Um, yeah, Flaherty's actually getting swings and misses. He's got a 31% strikeout rate. Uh, 14% swinging strike, and he's only walking 5%. He does. He has allowed 10.5 hits. I don't think a 350 BABIP is going to continue. Yeah, no. The home runs are high, though. I wonder if some of this walk rate being lowered is throwing too many meatballs, though, when you see the hits and homers through the roof. Does he maybe have to get back toward the edges of the zone, which might yield a few more walks? Like he, He's almost like Biebering a little bit, where you're like, hey, it's okay if you walk some guys with what you do. Maybe you don't have to be so much in the uh, in the fat part of the zone. I'm not too worried though when I see these when I see these metrics for Flaherty. I, I think I'd be okay on him. Um, somebody I, I'm moving up. I already did. I moved up in my most recent ranking that I I might be taking an early L on. I just I'm a, Patrick Corbin was someone I didn't want because I don't love guys coming off a career year specifically going to the first year of a big deal. It's just kind of a general rule where I lay off if they get overhyped it doesn't mean they all flop and so this is looking like one where he's not going to flop he's not having a transition issue part of it could be the fact that he's not the ace he's not even the second ace which i say on purpose not as far as the number two guy but because strasburg's like a second ace when he's pitching he's like the third guy a lot of times when a guy signs this big of a deal for 140 mil they have to come in with expectations he's like hey i'm just the third guy here making fat stacks and, you know, again, I only just don't like to take him because I feel like there's a transition period. Usually Corbin, I don't think so. So I've already moved him up thinking, hey, he might be one of the guys who kind of bucks the trend. Yeah, I've Does, moved him up, too, because I was lower on him as well. I've, I've always been a Corbin detractor, uh, but I put him up into my top 12. Yeah, uh, I think I've got him eight. Oh, wow. And it, ten, I think ten, he's ten, probably going to jump up. Uh Again, for me, though, I'll be adding DeGrom and, and Snell back in. Or, no, Snell was already in because I, I knew he – or I, I thought he was making a start this week anyway. So, yeah. So, yeah, I think he'll probably jump up into my top ten. I mean, obviously, there, there are certain things that I don't think are sustainable at this at the level that he's uh, doing right yeah, now. Yeah, Cor- Corbin's been out of his mind. Like, he'll, he'll yeah. peel back 250 BABIP is – seems a bit insane but at the same time like there's certain parts of his skill set that are even more interesting because he's not walking guys like mm-hmm. virtually at all uh and he's still i mean that slider is still nasty um it's so hard like there's some things that are down like his swing strike rate's down his, his but down to 13 percent. like yeah. i can live with 13 percent a lot more contact that's um, true. The chase rate's gone from 38 to 33, which is still above average for Corbin. 33% no, no. is Everything's above, above. average. I mean, he's still, he's still been amazing. Yeah. Uh, I do wonder, though, if he has struggled a tiny bit with not having the humidor 
and it's sure. something one of the things that I mentioned. The reason I kind of stayed, one of the reasons I stayed away from him was I thought he really benefited from that humidor. I mean, it certainly seemed like it. He was fantastic last year. Mm-hmm. So uh, that being said, I mean, he's got to be a top twelve guy rest of the way. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I to- I totally agree with that as far as Patrick Corbin goes. And uh, yeah, like I said, might 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 even pop into the top ten. Um, I've got him ten right now. Kershaw, obviously, we don't have the value of the extra month before these drafts. But if it's right now, where do you take him? I've got him ninth, and I would I would take him around like maybe even a little bit higher because I have Sale above him, and I mm-hmm. I, I had might him take 11th, Kershaw. Uh, and probably will be. I think he's going to jump up two spots for me. Yeah, so it'd be ninth. Yeah, I'm. I'm really eager to kind of see how his next month goes. God, I want to get in one of these drafts so badly after talking about this. I know. All right, last thing here. What do you do with closers? Because that trash mound of existence. You know, the two leading closers right now are Kirby Yates and Shane Green, and there's a lot of love for Kirby <laughs> Yates, myself included. So I'm not. I'm not clowning him, but he has like 12 saves. Um, Shane Green has, for a period, for the first 10 games, he saved every one of the Tigers' wins. 10 wins, 10 saves. Now he has 11 out of 12 uh, for them. And a lot of people were taking Joe Jimenez above Shane Green, saying, you're not going to do anything. Let's go, to your, let's go to your backup here. But then as far as like the player raider goes, you've got Jansen, Osuna, Vasquez, trying to, you know, it makes sense. Uh, Jordan Hicks has moved up. But, you know, who's been like weirdly really good? Greg Holland. He's been fantastic. <laughs> Eight clean so innings uh, from from a run standpoint. Five five saves for him. So, what would you be doing? Would you be addressing it similarly, but with different names, or would you be more aggressive? How would you attack closers for a four month no trade league like this in a twelve teamer? I think for one because of the shorter season, but two because of the entire landscape of starting pitching, I'd probably be more aggressive. Because I would too. you get these guys who can help stabilize these ratios. Uh, and let's be honest, a lot of, or not a lot, some of these relief pitching and closing situations are going to be addressed via trade. And that happens a lot sooner when the season starts at the beginning of June or end of May than exactly. if it starts at the end of March, beginning of April. And so a guy like Greg Holland could while he's pitching really well right now and will probably be going much higher, definitely be going much higher, the chances that he is going to be closing for three months is like slim to none, right? Because the the Diamondbacks are going to trade him. What about a 30-year-old Green? What the hell do the Tigers need with yeah. him? I mean, he's been so, fantastic, but like uh, that that's exactly it. He's been fantastic. You're going to so see absolutely me, flip like, him. super go hard after guys like Yates and Diaz and Trinan uh, because I, I know I'm going to be getting these guys who are not going to be moved, but yep. uh, offer these elite uh, uh, strikeouts, uh, ratios, and uh, and save totals. I'm with you there. I would be more aggressive uh, with, with the more stable names, Osuna, Jansen, Vasquez. Ye- yeah, I do include Yates in there, by the way, because they're not mm-hmm. going to flip him. Exactly. They've got him on a deal, and they're they're contenders. They're com- I mean, they're, yeah, they're competing. Look, look at this. They're, they're right in it. They, There's they, no they are like another starting pitcher away from being really, really interesting. Exactly. So, um, but then I would be I would be leery of a green. Although you maybe take a green, 
who then closes on a better team. And so if like there's legitimacy to what he's doing, he does have a 13% swinging strike rate, which is a career high, 29% strikeouts, 6% walks. Like he's been killing it. And yeah, you'd put some regression on like a 138 BABIP and a 92 left on base rate for Shane Green. But if he goes to close on a better club, things should stay this. I mean, I I guess it shouldn't. Uh, hard to say it's going to improve because he has 11 saves already. But if you're balancing it out for the next four, the rest of the season at, at a four month period on Memorial Day weekend, you're saying, well, who's going to win the most games, Boston or Detroit? You're still going to take Boston or or wherever he might go. So. Green, Green might actually still be a decent pick if people lay off of him, worried that he gets traded, because I'm not sure that he automatically gets traded into a setup role. He could be traded into a closer's role. So that's a tough dynamic, too. But uh, I'm with you. I'd be aggressive, and I would have two of the two of the top studs without a doubt. All right. Well, that's just a little look at how we've changed things a month in, and these drafts are going to be happening a month later, so if, you, if you're interested in it, the NFBC is running them. They're called Second Chance Leagues. I don't see a link right now to sign up. Um, you, they are, yeah, yeah, no, you can go to the sign-up page. Just okay. make sure you sort by all dates. Uh, and the first one happens on the 22nd, which is the Wednesday before Memorial Day, and they run through the 26th, which is the Sunday. And they're... Um, they're on Memor- They're on the NFBC.com for Twitter, and so you can find the tweet there too if you want to see it. And it'll tell you how to sign up and everything. So, hey, we might have to do it, dude. We might have yeah, to team up I, and I do it. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm looking right now at, at the dates. <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, this could be sick. I'm thinking that maybe you and I should try and. Uh, and sign up for uh, the Thursday, one of the Thursday ones, maybe like, like the 7 p.m. Pacific one, 10 p.m. Eastern mm-hmm. uh, one, and, uh, and just split a team. God. And, and then we'll do a live pod that night. Um, That'd be or not, so... Not, 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 or do, do, a, do a recorded, a recorded pod. pod we record while, it live yeah. and, then, and then give it to y'all. Yeah, I mean, this looks awesome. Yeah. Yo, what is this postseason hold'em thing that they do? I have no idea, but I'm interested in that as well. $20,000 prize. such a degenerate. Um, dude, it's so freaking fun, though, dude. All right, well, we got to get going. Uh, but, yeah, if you guys if you guys do decide to join this, let us know. Maybe we could get see if we could take one of the leagues for us. And if, we, if they let us in, and then we can fill it with you guys. So if you would be interested, let us know. Maybe we could kind of present it to them. Hey, we've already got eight people who would be interested could you reserve a league for us or something like that? So if this is something you do, it's three fifty. There's a ten thousand dollar prize. Uh, the league prize itself is fourteen hundred if you win the league. Ten thousand for the overall. If you if there's something you want to do, let us know, and we can maybe present that to them and say, hey, we could fill a league right here if you just want to put the twelve of us in. So anyway, Justin, have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you later. Take it easy.